Welcome to 80s Music Exposed, the podcast in which we review all the best albums of the 80s, one month at a time. We will break them down, give you the skinny, and duke it out over whether you should or should not dig these back out again. If you are ready for an 80s music deep dive, from Public Enemy to Wham, Eno to XTC, Madonna, hair metal, reggae, and all points in between, then crank the boombox, turn the Walkman up to 10, and ooh, let's go. Welcome to 80s Music Exposed, now 100% Trump-free. Woo! Trump clear. Mm-hmm. Crystal, like the Crystal Pepsi, like none of that. I've had an entire day of not hearing about that fucking guy. It has been pretty nice. That's a victory in and of itself. Yes. You know? <laughs> I'm still counting the hours, so we're like 34 hours post-Trump right now Yeah, as we record, and it feels all right. feels great. Still anyway, my great. name is Henry, and I'm joined by Chris and Megan. Hello, guys. Hello. Hello. We're glad to be together. It's been a few weeks since we've been able to talk music. It's really nice to do that in this new environment. We got a pretty good uh, lineup. What do you guys say we do some significant events from that month to get warmed up? Sounds great. Who wants to start? Um, I'll start with October 1st, Epcot Center opened at Walt Disney World. Oh my God, that was I was so excited about that as a kid. I was actually yes. there that day, Henry. Really? Yes. What? Oh, man. Yeah, I, I drew I, pictures of that, the big circle, you know? Mm-hmm. The big um, ball. The the ball, I drew like it, pictures and I was like all excited about it. I was, so, I was so excited to get to go to Epcot for the first time. I remember talking about it. Was it crowded? Yeah, I, that was the. It was kind of a bummer that day. Cause it was so crowded, you couldn't uh-huh. you couldn't really get into anything. But um, it was it was exciting to be there. It was like it was like being in the future. That's what that's what everybody mm-hmm. thought it was. Um, I don't know if you've been recently, but we took our nieces back a couple years ago, and it's weird how non future now it's nostalgic, you know. But at yeah. the time, it was like, whoa, this is what the future is going to be like if I could just get in there and out of this heat. Out of these lines, that's a bit. That was a big deal, a big, big deal to anybody our age back then, for sure. I've been to Epcot. I just don't really like. I was really young when I went, so I don't remember much about it. By the time I made it, they had a a ride that included Michael Jackson. Right, it was like the it's like a three D movie experience. Yeah, it's yes. probably several years into the eighties, so it took a while before me I could actually go. You know, right. But it was a Captain EO is what he called himself. I remember that. So guess what else happened this month? This is like a big deal. The first CD player was released in Japan. And on the exact same day, Henry. The exact same day. It only seven hundred and ninety nine dollars. And that was yeah. that was nineteen eighty three <laughs> price. So that was that was a lot of money. So I got a special treat for you guys. I found a video where they're introducing CDs for the first time back in 1982. I'm going to share it with you real quick. And what you've just been listening to is the ultimate in recorded sound. It will make all conventional disc and cassette systems obsolete. It's dustproof, scratchproof, digitally recorded, read by a laser, and it's called the compact disc. And that's it. 
the biggest revolution in the recording industry since the invention of the long-playing gramophone record, but this is no ordinary disc. Just 12 centimetres in diameter, the music is recorded onto it digitally, and there's no needle being dragged through a groove. That information is being read by a laser light. It's the yeah. future um, on 82. Awesome. Like, that's like, yeah, that's super early for a CD player. Henry, mm-hmm. Henry, correct me if I'm wrong, but do you remember? I, I think I remember that the RCA picture disc came out before CDs, and it was like a giant CD that played videos, but it looked just like a CD, but it was like the size of a record. And you put it into, I'm, it was like pre-VCR. Do you remember that? They bombed. They yes, totally bombed. They called it Laserdisc. Bef- they were selling them for years. like. But before um, CDs, right? Yes, 1978, it says. Okay, okay. Wow. Okay, yeah. So I always, when I first saw CDs, I was like, oh, that's just little RCA di- picture disc. It'll never make it. It was a Laserdisc, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Nuts. Right. Well, on the 14th. How times have changed. Yeah, yeah for sure. And on the 14th of October, President Reagan officially declares, quote unquote, war on drugs. What a success it was. <laughs> like, has it, what a giant fucking success <laughs> the war on drugs was. You know? It's just like, I don't know, it just shows how naive that time period was in some ways you know because there's people who still feel that way about some things like the abstinence whatever you know like just mm-hmm. just forget about it don't talk about it it's not a thing i do like it thing. it's like the last vestige of the <laughs> 50s and 60s parents just saying just ignore it and it'll go away like just don't do it yep <laughs> Yep. Ignore it and it'll go away. How cool are you? Speaking of drugs, this is also when John DeLorean got his ass busted for trying to do dr- a drug deal to keep his company afloat, basically. He got acquitted. There's this movie out that Alec Baldwin did. I don't know if you guys saw it, but it's I've called. I've heard of that movie, but I haven't seen it. It's called Finding. Uh, framing John DeLorean and he does a pretty good job of like behaving like John DeLorean, but that whole, you know, his, uh, his fan, it has his kid on there and those guys were really kind of destroyed by all the attention they got. You know, he, he was one of those guys that was, you know, he was, he made the DeLorean car, you know, the car, when you think of all this stuff in the eighties was made by that guy. He had, he was a very, um, What's the uh, ambitious guy, you know, and took, and took risks and and flew high and got screwed. And for younger people who don't know John DeLorean, the DeLorean car was the Back to the Future car with the mm-hmm. with the doors. Oh, yeah, that I rose straight up. The yeah. yeah, they didn't really run very well, did they? Like, I feel like they weren't known to be very good vehicles. I don't think they ran very well. And and the other interesting part was they were made out of metal, um, like reflective metal. They were supposed to be really heavy, like really heavy, which was not good for gas mileage either. But yeah, that was a pretty big month. October had Epcot Center. We had first CD players and John DeLorean. That's pretty, it's a pretty eventful month. Things are starting to happen, man. Right, right. And I think it's a pretty good month for records, too. So why, do you, why don't we go ahead and get to reviewing some albums? Let's get it. All right. The first one is by Donald Fagan. Um, 
at this point late of Steely Dan. It's his first solo album. It's called The Nightfly. Um, it was a Grammy nominee in 1983. It's an all-music four-and-a-half-star album, a Rolling Stone four-star album, and the song we're going to play is called New Frontier. Ding. That's a that's a term you don't hear much anymore. I just think of it as the font in Microsoft Word. <laughs> There's uh, a wing ding font. We're gonna they have a name it after that. We're gonna uh-huh. have a wing ding. All right. I'm gonna do my entire review in the style of Donald Fagan. <laughs> <laughs> if you allow s- me to tell you something <laughs> about this record. I didn't realize that I had yeah. heard this record already. Like when I went to go listen to it and yeah, yeah. my boyfriend has played it and I'm like, Oh, I've listened to this before, <laughs> but I thought it was Steely Dan at the time. It's, it's a good way to bask in the pretension of Steely Dan without it being Steely Dan. Yeah, it's true. Right. Right. I mean, perfectly crafted lyrics. Check that box. Mm-hmm. Ultra clean production. Check that box. I mean, talk about a guy that was made for the digital era. Donald Fagan yeah. was that that dude. You know, the production is he so was that good. bitch. <laughs> you know, like oh, think yeah. about what they did before with all the other stuff. Ga- um, Gaucho and Aja. I mean, they basically were made to be able to dial in that stuff. Um, it, it, and it's so clever; it makes you want to hit the guy. I mean, that's how that's kind of the way it plays with me. You know. Well, not anymore. <laughs> well, what do you mean? You can't hit him anymore. Didn't he die? Well, he's he's alive, right? No, he's still oh, alive. Yeah. Becker? yeah, Becker's dead. Oh. Becker's kind of my favorite one, I think. 
Yeah. Of the two. I, I always thought Becker was my favorite one too because he doesn't talk, but if you hear him in interviews, yeah. he's the bigger asshole. You won't you wouldn't like him. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's actually like a real cop. In research for this, I went back and listened to uh part of Becker only did two solo records his whole life. And it, he did one in ninety four. It was a little less uh I don't know exacting you know he seemed like the more rock and roll one of the two to me i can see that all the interviews i've seen with him he comes off as like the um annoying scout master that thinks he knows everything and the only people that can stand to be around him are little kids but i think that's yeah i've always had a theory that the reason they really broke up before the night fly which is fagan's first solo album after steely dan broke up was that he was rehabbing from drugs and everyone, you know, the, the the prevailing notion is that, well, he was going through a bad rehab. But I think what really happened was, I don't think Donald Fagan could take being around Walter Becker if he wasn't drugged out all the time. Like, full-on, oh, really? regular Becker was just too much of an asshole to be around. Henry, it was. It, I do want to mention that thing that you said a minute ago. Uh, this what? This album is noted to be uh, one of the first fully digital pop records ever. It was recorded completely digitally, and it was also done, he insisted that it was done completely overdubbed. There was no playing together of any of the tracks, so every single track is an individual track. Probably took forever to record. Mm -hmm. But um, I didn't, I didn't, I found this quote that said, Clive Young of Pro Sound News calls Fagan's IGY, or calls it the free bird of pro audio, claiming that almost every live sound engineer uses that song to test front of the house systems and sound recording. It's like known mm-hmm. for digital, to be used to check all this digital equipment. So um, did you like the album? I mean, oh, yeah. I, I did too. Was not a fan. I liked really? it a lot. No, no, and it's it was messed up because it's like I found it to be like a little annoyingly good, right? Especially yeah. like like I'm packaging these up with a bunch of other records. I always want to connect the dots, you know. I always want to have some sort of wrap up because there's always connecting tissue between all these records we talk about, right? Mm-hmm. And Steely Dan is always frustrated with me. I've always felt like Steely Dan people are just saying, oh, Henry, it's not that you don't like Steely Dan. It's that you just don't get it. You know? I wish my boyfriend could hear this right like, now. Like, oh, the choir, oh, oh to, to appreciate Steely Dan, you have to have like a, a literary degree or, or <laughs> you know, some sort of formal humanities training, you know. Um, You're a little pretentious. I'm kind of surprised that you don't like this one then, because this is the album that everyone talks about is the Steely Dan Light album. This is the one for people that don't get Steely Dan. I, I went back and listened to some of of Steely Dan, and I liked it more than I like this. I found this to be a little as really calculated, uh, I, but he's really talented. That's the problem. Is these he's undeniably good, annoyingly good. Well, I, I, on the other hand, liked it, and I liked it a lot. And I, one of the reasons I did like it was it, it is autobiographical by his own admission, which I think is noteworthy because uh, he takes a lot of heat for his um, Steely Dan lyrics, which often are borderline or are pedophilic. 
But he always claimed he was that those were never autobiographical. That this album was actually a con, an autobiographical concept record, and he does come off as kind of just a square kind of nerdy dude. Yeah, like some of the stuff was really like, okay, flying is fun, being happy is great. This well, and suburban it, dream, flying in a Concorde. Well, and it was about amazing. him growing up. So, it, I mean, yeah. he had an idea like childhood. I like dirty like I'm into like, give me the dirty stuff, then Steely Dan. <laughs> if you're gonna, if you're gonna be Steely Dan, give me something. But now you you just said earlier yeah. you don't like Steely Dan. I don't really. But if I've got to listen to them, <laughs> give me the other stuff. This okay, was particularly annoying. You know what I mean? Well, to I, me, the sound like I just don't listen to Steely Dan that much. I mean, I do through my boyfriend, but on a personal level, I don't. So to me, this sounds like I wouldn't. I didn't know when I first listened to this whenever that it was actually like a solo album. Like I just assumed it was Steely Dan just because his voice is so distinct. Well, and the other thing about this one too, it's a shorter album. So it doesn't like a lot of people complain that Steely Dan albums are too long. Um, So this one is shorter. Wasn't that like super short though? Only because they fried three of the tracks and couldn't get them back. It was supposed to be 10 and it, Turned out to be seven because oh. I couldn't recover three of the songs. But yes, and I like that about Gaucho. I think it makes it one of my favorite too because it's short. Um, and, but the sound quality of it is uh, is actually amazing. And if you're really into that stuff, I think you should put on the headphones and give it a listen. Yep. And I'm going to give it a thumbs up. I think it's I think it's a great album. Megan, how about you? Oh, I definitely give it a thumbs up. Excellent. Down for me, but just because I don't care for that kind of music much. All right, moving right along. Next record we're going to listen to that we're going to consider is a little band called Culture Club. I bet everybody remembers them. Their first album is called Kissing to Be Clever. We're gonna we decided to play the uh, the big track. Do you really want to hurt me? There was one other big track on this one, Chris. What was the name of it? Remind I'll tumble me. for you. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> With the four on it. Yeah. Like somebody else we know that would do that. I did not know that Malcolm McLaren put together Bow Wow Wow. Did you guys know that? Yeah. I don't know why I didn't. So 
Boy George used to be used to sing in Bow Wow Wow, had the name Lieutenant Lush in that band, decided to start his own band after this and kick, kick this off Culture Club. I didn't know that part. I mean, I knew that Malcolm McLaren was involved with uh, Bow Wow Wow. They mm-hmm. stole the ants <laughs> for that band. So you're telling me that Boy George was also in Bow Wow Wow? Or was he yes, like... He a- sang he sang in that band that okay. McLaren put together. And he it was big on the new romantic thing. You know, we've, already, we've talked about, ah, uh, what's new romantic music, you know? I don't really consider Culture Club new romantic. I mean, it's to me, it's like it's fake reggae Caribbean music, <laughs> sort of, right? I mean, if you're a fan of the police, this will not impress you. Don't, yeah, I was saying, I'm wearing a police shirt <laughs> yeah, right now. You know what I mean? It's like the police yeah, can do fake this. reggae and all that stuff 10 times better than the Culture Club. Like, I feel like that's like an 80s thing that has not. Held up I'm, well. I'm giving this a thumbs down, but I kind of want to do an apologetic for him. Like, I don't know how to do it exactly, but it. Why apologetic? All right. So, when I was a kid, I thought Boy George was a girl. Well, yeah. He like, was like seriously, pretty. he was pretty. He had, you know, features that looked very female to me. Like, it was always like a question mark. Well, like, especially British women. <laughs> right. <laughs> I get it. I get it. I get it. As a British lady, Chris, did you think that Boy George was a man? I did not, and I think that was well. I knew he was a man, but I couldn't see it. So that was the appeal, I think, of Culture Club to American teenage I, kids, because uh, he he was so pretty that and sang so beautifully that you were like, "There's no way," because I'm getting a boner, and that's a dude. And that's Bob. Yeah, that that yeah, gives me, I don't know yeah. how to, I feel about that at 12. So I don't, I, I listen to this again and I don't think, except for that, if Boy George just looked like a regular blue eyed soul singer, I don't know that this band would have been big here. Except for his voice and the way he looked, I, I just didn't, I don't, I don't see that there's a lot to this personally. I feel like a lot of it was just based on the way that he looked. Right. Which does make me, it does have a Malcolm McLaren kind mm-hmm. of feel to it in that way. Because Bow Wow Wow is similar. I mean, like, not a ton of substance there, you know. So, um, very similar, I think, with Boy George. He does have a good voice. Great not voice. Not saying that he's not talented, but. Yeah, he has, so a, the he idea has a great voice. of, like, gender-bending behavior was not new. No. At all. But, so, but this was new. The di- yeah. the difference His presentation was new. The difference, Henry, was like the New York Dolls were gender bending, and we thought it was cool, but we knew those were guys. Right. I thought right. Boy George was a woman. Right. It, it's the 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 guys that are pretending. That's one thing, just to be edgy. Right. But this person clearly came from the gay culture. Like this this record was was meant for the the gay clubs, but somehow accidentally or on purpose. Like crossed over into the, the cultural mainstream, right? Which just is because, crazy. which is great, just because and it Boy opened George. it opened our eyes, right? But at the same time, I yeah. literally, I'm not ashamed to admit, as a kid, I would look at the videos and I would like get closer to the screen to try to see the boy in there because I was like, that is a girl. That's definitely a girl. <laughs> like it, really like it stumped me. me. Is a catchy song, but it's really not a very good song. 
if you think of it's I mean to be honest like it repeats itself a lot there's not a lot to it I um, keep hearing that the second like album club. is supposed to be better so I I, I don't want to I'm hoping that the next one's better but I yeah. did not like this one at all my yeah. notes say that I feel like it's the sound of somebody finding their niche I got the fi- and, and I usually like those kind of albums but this one just sounds not kind of dumbed down the keyboards are really corny and you know cliche and um but anyway i i we're going to consider another one in another year or two and i'd be interested if i actually like that one or not i just don't care for this one doesn't that one the later one have karma chameleon on it Mm -hmm. yes it does i could live without hearing that song ever again (laughs) all right so i think we're three thumbs down on that one the next one we're going to listen to is by marvin gay it's his final album it's called Midnight Love. It's an all-music five-star. And by the way, I don't know if we said, but the Culture Club album, believe it or not, was an all-music four-star and a Rolling Stone four-star as well. But this one is called Midnight Love, and the song we're going to listen to is Sexual Healing. Marvin came waltzing into the bedroom singing that to me. I'd definitely fuck him. <laughs> His voice is just, or was just so Ooh. good. Smooth, right? Smooth. I mean, the smoothest. So I watched this interview with him uh, trying to prepare for this. I d- was not ready for how the guy spoke. That's- he enunciated his words really clearly. He also, I expected him to have a deep voice. Right. It wasn't very deep at all. right. He has this really high register when he talks. It freaked me out, Henry. I, I it's like yeah. it's like you looked at my notes because. So as a kid, my initial real look at him was this video, and mm-hmm. I saw him as this older, smooth, like 
really accomplished, like well thought out, deep speaking professor type. And the dude is a train wreck. He's a total, in actuality, he's a total mess, which totally blew up my image of, so this was like my favorite Marvin Gaye song of all time. And and it's everything I was shaped to think about him was from that video. And I went, I did the same thing you did, Henry. When I went back and saw interviews, I'm like, that's, that's Marvin Gaye. Like, he speaks really high and he's kind of crazy. He's actually fucking coked up and nuts. Did you see, did you watch the interview, the really long? Yes. With the, you found that? Yes. We both found that? Because it's like famous because he's, he's high as balls when he's doing it. He spoke of God. He was trying to smoke in the interview. Yeah. Are we talking about the same one? He was trying to smoke and they told him he couldn't do it. He couldn't do it. And he talked about God a lot. And heavenly, I always thought that this talk of God, particularly with R and B guys, I don't know what it is, but when R and B guys of that era start talking about God and heavenly Father stuff, I always think it's tied in with drugs. I don't know why, (laughs) like (laughs) cocaine's involved. (laughs) He said he felt misunderstood as an artist; that there was no difference between him and a painter or another kind of artist. He claimed to not care about the leverage or currency of credibility that some that this hit sexual healing game. They call it being on top. Oh, you know, is being on top mean you're going to get to make other you know meaningful records? I think he was referring to what's going on mm-hmm. that record. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. by the way, uh, Wednesday was what's going on day in Michigan. Yep, I know. I you saw know? that. <laughs> yeah. Pretty it was cool. released, it was released cool. fifty yeah. years ago. Wednesday, yeah, crazy. I, I know we're supposed to talk about the album, but his life at this at this point is so much more interesting to me because that interview we watched, yeah. Henry, is very similar in feel to the. I don't know if it's an interview, but it, or the documentary about Bowie right before he leaves L.A. in the Thin White Duke period, where he's so um, paranoid and crazy from the cocaine. Super skinny, and he's doing this. He's talking those same kind of crazy, paranoid things that it reminded me a lot of that. And Marvin was very worried at this point in time about Prince, like he felt like Prince was taking yes. his mantle. And it, and listening to this album, mm-hmm. I'm like, you're not even in the same ballpark. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not, and not in a bad way. I'm not criticizing. I'm just saying you're not even in the same. Like Prince, but is, he, but. But he cops out with it. He talks about saying, he says uh, that he has too many feelings, Mm -hmm. that he is too emotional and a really good artist. He has a fragile heart, but a tough exterior, that his ego was too big, that he's hard to live with. I'm not Prince, he said. Mm -hmm. It's so so interesting. We both saw that interview. Yeah. and, And so the tour for this album was cut short because of the cocaine and the paranoia. And then he had to go live with his parents. Can you imagine that? He's Marvin Gaye, right? One of the most successful singers. And he's got a, he's broke and he's got nowhere to go and he's got to go live with his parents and his well, dad like and him. Prob- like, wasn't he probably like, what, 40? He was 45. 40, 44, I think. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And so he and his dad get in an argument and his dad shoots him. So. The hell of a way to, yeah. Yeah. It's like, it, what a crazy, like, ending. Yeah. Yeah. Super tragic. So as far as the record goes, it's it's a bit slick for me. Like, kind of over overproduced. 
pretty commercial sounding. I read that they they spent a million and a half dollars making the bleeding thing. They I saw all the places they recorded all over the world. Like I'm sure they flew around to, to recording studios to do it. I just don't have any strong feelings about it as an album. Yeah. Um, just for that reason, just like it just plays like a commercial grab. Uh, Timmy, I do really like the song "Sexual Healing." I think it's a great song, but I, I, it's funny because this album to me sounds like the um, dead end that R and B had kind of found itself in at the beginning mm, yeah. of the '80s, where we talked about this before. Where part of it wasn't their own fault because no one would play it like on MTV or anything. But but the next album we're talking about, we're going to talk about with Prince. It's like. He was the future of this whole thing. He was he's the one that found the way out for for mm-hmm. uh, the black artist and it was like Marvin Gaye had hit that dead end and it's kind of weird. It's almost poetic that he not I'm not poetic. I don't mean in a good way, but it's almost like that he died right after this. But so, uh, so I, I, all, I didn't give it a thumbs down. Or? No, I didn't give it a thumbs down. I just gave it an eh. Because it feels so wrong giving it a thumbs down I agree. because <laughs> sexual healing is such a good song, it's so good. but that's like it is kind of like just like really all you need is that song the rest yeah, of the album much. and i felt yeah, like so maybe i set too high an expectation because i was hoping to find some other gems on there that were like as good as sexual healing i just i didn't find them on that one well i, I just like legacy is so huge and mm-hmm. like the story so crazy so i think it's just always gets kind of shadowed by that right that video like of him like with the nurse and all that and sexual healing. Right. <laughs> and the backup singers said, wake up, wake up. Yeah. Uh, and when they drive, so he drives away with the nurse in the car after it's all over. I could, sm- I could smell this car. I don't know what it is. Oh. So it's like something about the, that big ass LTD smell with all the leather and everything. Just for some reason, I could remember that like it was yesterday. Did you notice Henry too? That big ass car. It's got the little siren thing on top, like it's an ambulance. Oh my! But it's oh, a big, I didn't notice yeah, that. But it's a big ass Lincoln. That's great. <laughs> so yeah, right. let's Henry take us to the next one. I mean, he who needs no introduction. Uh, we listened to Prince, uh, nineteen ninety nine. We're going to listen to uh, a song off of that called Delirious. Delirious, 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 
I love this album. It deserves its own episode. What the fuck were we thinking? No. I, I, what, I, what were we thinking trying to put these other motherfuckers against this? <laughs> Come on, man. I do want to say in, it, in our defense, or in my defense, I'm going to put this one in the canon, of course. Um, yeah. But it should have had its own episode. I really was like, man, I can't believe we didn't give it its own episode. Yeah. I think I think part of the sure. problem, and and you guys may agree with me on this, is his output in the '80s is so fucking magnificent that this one They're doesn't right, but this one doesn't get like the same. This one's special, right? This is like a sexy apocalypse record. Yeah, know? but the next one's gonna wipe this one away. Like people aren't even gonna think about it, which is crazy because this album is so good. Yeah, right. But there's some you can get. This is the kind of record you can appreciate on just a surface level, right? But you can also read a lot deeper into it. He's in it. He talks about wanting to fuck the taste out of somebody's mouth. Let's, but but okay, <laughs> let's have fun if the world goes to hell, right? Yeah, this is the All greatest party record to party to the right. end of the world to party to the apocalypse. Mommy, why does everybody have a bomb? And I'm like. I'm looking around the room when he says that, you know, I just watched a fucking riot trample the Capitol. Nobody has the tools that Prince Prince had. I think it's interesting, Um, too, that he totally captured the sound. I I saw in one of the reviews that I read of it, the quote was the critic said this album sounds as if it sounds like a computer breathing. And I'm like, he totally captured that computer craze that we were in at that time. Like everything sounds plastic yes. and digital and like almost like he's playing it on toy instruments, but it still yes. just sounds so good. So good. This right. is what I thought of on my run after listening to it again. All right. So, you know, that song automate, you, I don't know if you remember it, but it on the surface, it sounds like a guy trying to woo someone talking dirty. Right. But if you listen to the female voice on that track, it sounds dry and automated. You know, he's he's prefiguring in a way our relationship to machines even now. And he's engaging in like this over-the-top, extremely submissive or extremely dominant words to this automated machine who wishes to entice him in the ways that he knows how to be enticed. Her voice doesn't have any emotion to it. It's just flat. It's a flat affect. I, so I, this is like Prince as a prophet, okay? Yeah. Prince as, as the salesman. On this record, he's like, I'm going to play you R&B, but I'm going to sneak some craft work in here and some Peter Hook. And then I'm going to rip your face off with a guitar solo. I'm so, going to fuck the taste out of your mouth. Right. right. Not, only do, not only do I get you, 
in with the R and B, but I'm going to convert you to something while you're here. And, and then, and then, I, and then the thing I also like is I'm not just doing Dirty Minds again. I'm doing Dirty Minds, but for the for, for the oblivion, yeah. like we're, this is we're gonna fuck yeah. as the bomb is dropping. This is it. This is the yeah. last thing we're gonna yeah. listen to, which is like fuck. And I don't know. I don't. It's hard to convey that dread that we had, that Cold War dread at the time. But it was real. It was like when he's singing about 1999. We literally, Uh, as a kid, thought we're not going to see 1999. Look at what things are like now. (laughs) Right. I know. It's like when you look back on this time, it's like, aw. I know. It's interesting. I was thinking. I was thinking about that because we talked about it a little on our last episode too. But I think the things that are happening now are much more real and that like despicable, but yeah. it doesn't feel like the whole world could just end when you go to sleep. Like back then it was like, if we push the, they're going to push the button in the middle of the night. I'm not, I'm just not going to wake up. It's just going to be gone or be evaporated. Right. There was like this just total annihilation fear. Whereas today it's like, Oh, there's real shit that's going to happen. That's bad. And it's going to happen. I got locked into this rabbit hole with the Prince Michael Jackson rivalry. Mm-hmm. Have you guys, is there even a rivalry? Were, yes, there was. Prince fucking trolled Michael Jackson all the time. Yeah, because he's yes. so much better. He trolled him, I know. And, like, and Marvin Gaye was probably sitting around wanting to be trolled. Why can't I be in on this? I know. <laughs> so there was some discussion about whether Prince was going to do a guest spot on that song Bad by Michael Jackson and whether he would be play the, the part that eventually got taken by uh, Wesley Snipes in the video. Prince said this. Prince said, right at the top, we had a problem with the song because the first line of the song is, your butt is mine. I looked at him. He says, I'm not going to sing that to you. And you sure as hell ain't going to sing that to me. (laughs) Wow. Prince. (laughs) The the freak himself has some rules. So, I mean, in terms of just, there's nobody else. There's really nobody else. There's no comparison. No. Yeah, so thumbs up, obviously. Obviously. Yeah, it's canon for me, so thumbs up. All right, our last record of the episode is by Hall & Oates. The album is called H2O. It's an all-music four-star album, and the song we're going to play is called Family Man. Thank you. 
hard to talk about this album and like it because I do. But after after 1999, I mean, say something bad. What can you say? <laughs> Anyone? I mean, Family Man's a little cheesy. A little bit. I'll give you that. But I mean, it's still good because his voice is so good. Like, Iconic. Yeah. I mean, and just them as a duo, like it just really works. That Italian girl song on there is a power pop song, basically. Yeah. It sounds like it could have done been done by an indie power pop band or maybe even Cheap Trick. It really doesn't fit on the album. song better than family man one not that on, family man's bad but one-on-one man eater man eater so good these guys were hot as hell after so hot <laughs> they found their lane on this one and what lane would you describe them as i mean soul i mean i don't know i, know, I think they're pretty far away from too. that soul thing now aren't they yeah, it's like they're not really like they are soulful, but then they're kind of just straight up pop. But like when you call them pop, I feel like that doesn't really fit them that great either. I don't know. It doesn't it doesn't cover all the bases because they're talented. Even um, what is it? John Oates, the lesser known. Mm-hmm. Oates. Daryl Hall is the one. The, the He leans into that soul stuff really well, and it doesn't seem as much of a put on. Yeah. As some other people. Yeah, the blue-eyed soul. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. I f- it might get worse later if they <laughs> if they stop. Doesn't the everything. Eight, when the 80s <laughs> stop, I don't know. Pretty apt. Uh, so I don't I don't know. It's a good, solid record front to back. Iconic stuff. It's just stuff. very boring after 1999. Yeah, but how do you say? It's not It's not yeah. amazing. It's not a no. masterpiece. Thanks, Daryl Hall and John Oates. You guys... Our meat and potatoes. He did great. I love Hall Notes. H2O. <laughs> kind of a bad name. Fa- all right, facing right. each other sweaty. Isn't that a little <laughs> like really? A little like what? You know, like <laughs> homoerotic. Yeah. Gender bad names. Hey, Boys I know. Hey, John, one. here's what we're gonna do. <laughs> You're we got H and O, right? We're gonna call it H2O. How how are we gonna just demonstrate how we feel about this record. I feel like it makes me hot, like physically hot. I'm so fucking sweaty now. (laughs) Sweaty. I want to look directly in your eyes when we take this picture, Daryl Hall. I don't want to look in anybody's face when I'm that sweaty. Like, look right at me while we're sweating. (laughs) 
and let me <laughs> let's take this picture for all eternity. And you it's and another me. album where there's a number, like where they just use that H2O. I'll tumble mm. for you. All of this Prince was, I mean, Prince did it the best, but that's because he's Prince. But Yeah, he did. We all know what we're, I don't know why we even bother trying to finish this pod. We all know what we're going to pick Yeah. on this thing. Who gets runner-up is what I would ask. For me, it's going to be Hall & Oates. Yeah, it's between that and like the Donald Fagan record, but I think I'm going to have to go with Hall & Oates just because I prefer Hall & Oates over like Donald Fagan and Steely Dan. Chris, what's it going to be? Uh, I'm going to go with the Nightfly. 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 But yes, yeah, so th- we've got our picks. So uh, if you like our show or you like the records we're choosing, please rate and review us on uh, Apple Podcasts or on Spotify, Stitcher, your podcast provider of choice. You can find us on YouTube, uh, some of our videos there. Share that with your friends. Chat us up on Twitter at 80s exposed or an email uh, 80s music exposed at gmail.com my twitter handle is at hank g what's yours chris it's at tci duke and megan let's give them yours i don't have a twitter but i have an instagram it's at uh bastards of young 92 and what about our pod instagram that's 80s 374 and then obviously the twitter for the pod um 80s exposed and then we have a facebook too 80s music exposed oh my goodness next episode is a classic album episode and guess what we get to talk about oh my god the king of pop thriller by michael jackson i don't think i've heard of that album Anyway, it's been really nice talking to you guys about records. Chris, Megan, guess what? What? I made you a mixtape.